American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. In this section, we want to talk a little bit about what money is and how money changes between around 1000 AD and 1500 AD. Now, this might seem like an obvious question with an obvious answer. If you ever take an economics course, that's one of the things that's usually covered in one of the first few weeks. What is money? And the economists will give you a couple of answers. They'll say money is several things at the same time. It's a unit of account. So it's a unit in which we record debts and credits. They'll also say it's a medium of exchange. So it's something that you can take and trade for something else. You can take money uh, and you can go buy something at the grocery store with it. And money is also a store of value. If you receive money, let's say you're the grocery store owner and you get money from customers, you can keep that money, you can hold it, and then you can give it for something, uh, something else that you need. It's not perishable. Uh, it might change in value a little bit, which is an interesting question in itself, uh, but uh, it will not decay over time. So what we have here is a $10 bill, U.S. currency, Alexander Hamilton, first secretary of the Treasury. So many of you know, probably all of you know, that this, in fact, is money. It's very useful to have uh, with $10, depending on where you are. Uh, you could buy yourself lunch, uh, maybe even dinner. But that only begins to scratch the surface of how we got to the point of saying that a piece of paper with numbers and somebody's picture on it can be traded, can be given in exchange for something that everybody needs, food, can be held for weeks, months, years, and then later given for that same thing, can be given to someone else in exchange for a debt that I might owe them. Let's look a little bit, dif little bit deeper uh, at the story of Europe in the wake of the Crusades. As all of these ideas are coming west and trade is starting to bubble and generate once again, and we'll find out how paper can become money and how new forms of money can be invented. Okay, so imagine a world before paper money uh, and also before uh, large-scale networks of credit, which is really something very similar in certain ways to paper money. Imagine, in fact, that you're in that Western European world before the revival of uh, really well-functioning long-distance trading networks. Let's say you're in uh, Belgium around the year 1000 AD, and, and you're a farmer, you live there, uh, and you have, uh, you have the desire, you have the need for some cloth. Uh, you want to make some blankets for the winter. And your neighbor happens to be a weaver and happens to have some cloth on hand. Now, you might want to trade uh, for that cloth uh, in one of two ways. You might want to give your neighbor uh, some gold coins. Gold was a, a great uh, form of money in certain ways. It was very durable. Uh, people wanted it. Uh, they could hoard it and, and use it to buy things later when they needed it. So it served a lot of the functions of money. Uh, but there were problems with it. There just wasn't that much gold. There wasn't much silver either. So coins were very scarce at this point in time in Europe. And there's another problem, too, with those 
coins, which we'll get to in just a second. But for most people, precious metal as money was not really an option. So what you can do instead was to trade with your neighbor. Now, you can't trade an equivalent object because, of course, if you had cloth, you wouldn't need to get cloth from your neighbor. And the things you have to trade might not be some things that you and your neighbor could agree were exactly of equivalent value. Let's say you own cows. Uh, you could potentially trade one of your cows. But maybe a cow is worth a lot more than uh, a few pieces of cloth. So what you would do instead was to practice a kind of mental accounting. You would trade the cow for those pieces of cloth, and you and your neighbor would understand that at some later day, they would trade you something back. Maybe they would come work for you for a couple of days on your farm. Uh, maybe they would give you more cloth. Maybe they would uh, get something else that they would trade back to you, which you would agree uh, satisfied the debt with your neighbor. Now, this kind of system depends on some things. First of all, it's not written accounting, so people have to remember what's happened. It also implies a lot of agreement. How many cows uh, are uh, equal to a house? How many pieces of cloth are equal to a cow? People have to come to some kind of agreement. And so that also implies a sort of trust, uh, a trust between neighbors, for instance, or a trust between relatives. And that, in turn, usually implies people living close to each other. And so now you're starting to see why long-distance trade was so difficult uh, without any kind of money, without any kind of money system, because you didn't have things that you could send a long distance, uh, which your trading partners would agree had the same value that you, you thought uh, they held. So money uh, in the form of gold or silver coins might serve that kind of purpose. It was much easier to get agreement about what the value uh, of that precious metal uh, could be. The problem was Western Europeans didn't have much of it, and metal also is sort of bulky. Metal also uh, is difficult to carry long distances once you get enough of it together. It's hard to imagine, for instance, how Italian merchants could have carried enough gold and silver uh, up to Belgium to start to buy uh, the kind of quantities of cloth that they were looking to trade in the Mediterranean. So what did they do about this? Let's look at some of the techniques that they imported from the Middle East and from Asia to solve that problem of long-distance trade. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm -hmm.